All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation, and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. This episode is part of a series where I interview experts on various areas around mental health. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help now, call 000 Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36 anytime for support and advice. There are many different methods and strategies when it comes to managing our mental health and Today, we are talking about yoga. I've invited Kirsten Baus from, who is the director of Perth Psychology Collective and Yoga for Mental Health to discuss this because when I discovered how, what Kirsten does and and her approach, to be honest, I was very fascinated because I've never seen yoga in this light and I had to invite her onto the show to talk about it. Kirsten, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Michael. This is um, a fun topic for me and an important one. Well, it must be like it must be something you're very passionate about because, I mean, can I honestly start by asking why yoga? Um, I mean, we've always heard yoga has – I've heard for many years that yoga has many different health benefits, but, you know, to to use it for something so so niche, um, Mm. can I ask a bit about your background and maybe what sort of brought you to focusing on yoga? Yeah, so, um, okay, <laughs> my background, it's a, it's a long one. Um, I've been a clinical and forensic psych for 25 years and I've probably practised yoga um, on and off uh, for the same amount of time. I actually remember very clearly my first yoga class and it was, you know, in the 90s. Uh, and it was in this massive kind of um, rec center in in the bas- on the basketball courts. Basically, it was very rudimentary, and just you know, kind of got hooked. I just thought it was such a wonderful way to calm my mind, which was always a very busy mind. And I found yoga to be something that enabled me to focus on what I was doing with you know my breathing and my movement and my postures. So the clutter and the busyness and the list of things to do or whatever um, that might have been going on in the background fell away. But it also, you know, had the physical benefits as well. So the type of yoga that I enjoy, I guess, personally is quite an active yoga um, and something that I can either choose to perhaps, um, you know, push myself or at the same time just participate in, which is one of the fundamentals of yoga is to really meet yourself where you're at. So you can use yoga from for a very restorative kind of experience or you can use yoga when you feel as though you want to kind of stretch your, you know, your limits of flexibility and strength and and stuff, which is why one of the reasons I love it so much. So I, I practice on and off. I practice through my pregnancies and and things like that. And over the course of my career, which has been, you know, in trauma and perinatal mental health, and you know, kind of quite diverse, 
over that period of time, those countries that are a bit more progressive than Australia, dare I say it, such as the US and the UK, really started to discover a lot of the physiological impacts of mental health challenges, depression, anxiety, trauma, and generally started looking at, well, how can we how can we work directly on these physiological uh, kind of changes and challenges and impacts, not just through talk therapy, which is quite traditional therapy. And, you know, it evolved to the point where a lot of the trauma programs that are government funded in those countries, particularly places like veteran services where you've got PTSD um, rife in, in the communities that attend those services, they really, really discovered the physiological benefits of yoga, particularly for things like depression, anxiety and trauma. And so that they're well embedded. If you um, sign up for a trauma program that's government funded in a lot of those kind, you know, those countries, you'll actually be able to also access and either have it funded by the government or partly funded, however their healthcare services kind of and systems work, um, to be able to participate in yoga that is still uh, still yoga, but also with what we call trauma informed yoga because some forms of yoga can actually be triggering for people who have depression, anxiety or trauma. And so taking that knowledge around what could be triggering and adjusting the classes somewhat differently, they get the benefits of yoga for their mental health without the triggers. Um, And so that had been going on for a long time and it started to, I guess, be something that us Aussie psychs (laughs) learned about. Um, and also yoga teachers as well. And so for me, as someone who was kind of always skirting around the edges of yoga, and, and I always had this thing, I was going to become a yoga teacher when I retired. Um, that was on my bucket list amongst some other things. And then I was like, well, why would I wait until retirement? So I did my yoga teacher training. And it was with the specific purpose of doing additional training in trauma-informed um, yoga as well and working in that combination given, you know, my background um, as a clean psych too. So that's really, I don't tend to run the standard, you know, a standard yoga class. I tend to um, be offering yoga for mental health quite specifically. So, yeah, that's how I came came to it, I guess, a love of yoga and experiencing the personal benefits. And then as the research emerged, and it's really very, very clear now and has been for quite some time, um, that it really has a palpable um, benefit for mental health too, beyond, beyond just the benefit of any form of exercise on mental health, which we know there's plenty of research that tells us that exercise is good for our physical health and there's plenty of research that tells us exercise is also good for our mental health. This is kind of a bit above and beyond. And when you mention that it's beyond the effects of traditional exercise, mm-hmm. uh, what is it about yoga then that that has that effect? Because it sounds like, like what you said, it's been overlooked for so many years. Mm. Um, it sounds like it probably still is here in Australia mm-hmm. because um, I've never – I mean, normally when I, even as an advisor, when I talk to clients about their insurance and we dis- we discuss mental health a lot and we talk about mm. treatment mm. and normally the things that come up is, you know, seeing someone, you know, like we yep. said, you know, talking therapy, talk therapy, if, if talk therapy <laughs> yeah. um, drugs, taking yep. medication, prescriptions, tablets, all these things. I've never heard anyone mention the word yoga, um, but yeah. it sounds like it's, it's, re- it's underrated um, from a, from that point of view. Definitely. And it will be for quite some time because sadly, while Medicare 
recognises certain types of um, treatment modalities and people can um, receive rebates if they've got a mental health care plan and the practitioner uses the approved treatment modalities, um, of which for psychologists there's only three um, approved despite there being a plethora of very evidence-based other modalities. Medicare takes a bit of a while to come on board. Um, yoga is going to take some time, I think, to to be approved. And, um, you know, we've got this interesting dilemma as psychologists and, you know, that has enormous amounts of worldwide literature, longitudinal literature, research, all that kind of stuff. The data's there, but Medicare can take a bit of time to come on board. And while I kind of um, have this saying, I refuse to, you know, work just to Medicare, um, what Medicare says works. When I'm working, when a client is using a Medicare rebateable service, then I have, you know, I do work with within the confines of what Medicare approves for the treatment modality. So people attending yoga for mental health wouldn't be using Medicare rebates at all or private health insurance Um you know, because it's it's not an approved intervention, it'll just take a little bit of time to be approved. But to, I guess, more specifically answer your question, like, what are the benefits? I think the key thing to understand about yoga is that it actually impacts the nervous system, the autonomic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system is the system that, um, you know, kind of also takes us into flight, flight, fight, flight, freeze mode. Um, you know, we have the parasympathetic nervous system which is really what's activated when we're calm and we're resting it's often kind of referred to as the rest and digest (laughs) um, system that's activated so uh, that you know, that's a really kind of settled and calm. Um, it would when people uh, uh, or when the parasympathetic nervous system is activated, that's when people would describe feeling quite calm. Sympathetic nervous system, on the other hand, is an is again when that's activated, that is an active experience. So, um, and we have various degrees of how much that might be turned on. So it might be turned on to the point that you you know something terrifying is unfolding in front of you, and it's well and truly the sympathetic nervous system that's turned on, and you're in that. Um, fight flight kind of freeze mode because freeze interestingly while you might be frozen and rooted to the spot all those kinds of sayings that you hear physiologically you're going insane on the inside your body is just going nuts um, even though on the outside you might look as though nothing is going on at all and so yoga actually is a wonderful tool for us to be able to what we call either down-regulate, so when we're absolutely freaking out, so think anxiety now, um, to bring our nervous system kind of to a really balanced kind of place, um, and we can up-regulate too. So think of someone who's feeling quite lethargic and finding it difficult to concentrate for reasons other than you know, ADHD, all those kinds of things. But, you know, when when we're really low in our mood, as depressed people often are, that's when we actually um, can experience, I guess, um, the benefit of using a more active yoga practice because it directly impacts our nervous system and enables us to create some more activation in the sympathetic nervous system. And together, once you're moving between um, both of them, then you can create this kind of balance where both are working in harmony. And what that means is that you're calm, but at the same time, you're still alert. 
not alert as in hypervigilant and looking for threat everywhere, but just alert. You're engaged, your mind's feeling awake, your body's able um, and, you know, able to move if and when it needs to, but you're not about to pounce on anything and you're also not so lethargic that you're horizontal. Okay. So so, so as far as the autonomic nervous system is concerned, the as far as yoga and, and as far as the relationship yoga has with that, would mm. I be right in saying that it's it's a combination then of the the breathing and and the physical the physical parts like the the different yeah, poses? Absolutely, and- yeah. I mean, yoga. Um, I guess what I'll mention is that yoga it, its its roots are really far more around creating the physical capacity to be able to meditate for long, long, long periods of time. Westerners have actually changed it to being far more focused on the physical element of yoga rather than the meditative element of yoga. Um, So that's just me acknowledging its kind of historical roots. But essentially, you know, the, the everyday yoga that you typically see and even yoga for mental health is definitely about creating this balanced nervous system so that we're not feeling wired but tired, um, which would be often the combination of, um, you know, a lot of anxious people are, are very wired, but at the same time it's very draining so they can be tired at the same time. And then it also, you know, counters the lethargy that can come with, um, you know, a depressed mood as well. So it, it enables our system because it's our system that impacts those two things. It's this um, cyclical relationship, I guess, and yoga helps us address that. And how it does that is different types of breathing patterns will actually calm us down and different types of breathing patterns will actually help us become more active and alert and vice versa in terms of the the postures and the shapes and and the movement as well so there's certain particular um i guess asanas which is a, the yoga word for posture that are actually quite calming they'll calm and slow down you know the nervous system um whereas others are far more activating of the sympathetic nervous system and will create energy so if you think about people who are perhaps struggling with anxiety then they might be more inclined to be working towards the breathing patterns and the particular postures that we know speak to the nervous system in a way that calms it down and the person or the, you know, the 2 p.m. slump that we can all experience. But, you know, perhaps um, if we take it to a mental health perspective, um, those who experience a depressed mood are more likely to be working towards creating, um, sorry, have, you know, breathing patterns and particular shapes and movement that are going to create energy within them. And that's the benefit of it is that you can do these things that help create the physiological and emotional states that you want to be in. I feel that the more you talk about this topic, the, the more I feel like it's in a way, again, I've, yoga just hasn't been underrated, but I feel like a lot of us have different perceptions on it. Because for mm. example, when I used to think of yoga, I used to think of some really fit people in a room with really tight pants doing these fancy <laughs> little moves about to go sip on their chai lattes as soon as they're done. Um, but when the way you're explaining, it sounds like something that literally anyone can do. Um, you don't need to be of any particular fitness level. You don't need to be a absolute 
champion when it comes to anything from a fitness point of view or you need you don't even need to have experience you just need to know exactly um you need to be at the right place at the right time to be taught the right postures breathing patterns and movements definitely and i and i mean that is again the version you're talking about of yoga is sadly what we see on instagram and things and it has a place and as i said i i quite like an active yoga practice as well um and in fact i often joke that my medicine in you know kind of quotes is when i take a less active um yoga practice because it helps me try and really learn how to i guess slow my mind without having to give it something else active to focus on like the postures and breathing so it's not my natural state to have um, a calm mind and yoga is something and a quieter practice and a slower practice is something that I participate in to try and help me learn how to be more that way shall we say these podcasts have been brought to you by better financial planning australia to book a free 15-minute phone chat visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au but i guess yeah the 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 instagram version and the the stereotypical version that you just described um it exists and i'm just stoked that people are doing it that's wonderful but the downside is it then does make other people think, well, I, you know, I don't look good in those clothes. I don't like chai lattes. I'm not strong. I'm not flexible um, and can just feel really out of place and intimidated at the idea of um, participating in yoga. There's a lot of myths about, as you said, about, you know, where people believe they need to be at in order to step foot in a yoga studio. And, and there's going to be, I mean, yoga studios vary enormously absolutely enormously and people could just inadvertently let you know head into a yoga studio where everyone is looking pretty fit and amazing um (laughs) a whole bunch of models (laughs) model like bodies um uh you know participating in the class and that that could well be very intimidating for people the other thing is uh, some of the yoga classes are definitely not designed for beginners um and while uh you know perfectionism isn't part of yoga there is also the flip side of making sure that your students even beginners and particularly beginners um, perhaps are moving in ways that aren't going to injure them nobody wants uh, someone to leave a yoga studio injured Um, and so sometimes there are some um, cues and some tweaks that people need to make when they're in particular postures because you know if they repeat that then again and again and again, then that could actually over time cause an injury. Nobody wants that. But, yeah, otherwise it's yoga's absolutely for anyone at any age, at any level of fitness. Um, as long as you're wearing clothes that you can move freely in, you know, it actually isn't at all about what you look like. Um, it is so much a really... I think it's a wonderful practice where if you've got the right teachers, they help you work from where you're at and what your body feels able and capable to do, which is also another concept that I I personally enjoy because I can tell you that my balance, if I go to a morning class, my balance is really crap. 
If I go to and do exactly the same class in the afternoon with their balancing poses, I'm going to be more capable of doing those. And yet, funnily enough, my strength is stronger in the morning than at the end of a day. So, um, and that's just a general rule of thumb. There's always exceptions, but that's the interesting and lovely thing about yoga is, is it the some of the fundamental um, philosophies of it is to allow you to be where you're at, which changes day to day. And I just described it changing within one day. Um, so it's quite a respectful practice for the person if that person gives themselves permission to be led by what their body wants to do that day rather than a whole bunch of rules or keeping up with the person next to them or whatever. Yeah. So it sounds like yoga or the right yoga, mm-hmm. it needs to be, um, I mean, f- for this purpose, not just trauma informed, but physically mm-hmm. informed as well um, so that anyone can do it. And, and I love that you mentioned that people need to give themselves permission um, to be able to, because it's, you're right. Like a lot of us sometimes know that we need to do something, but we just put it off or we just um, we don't or we're in a situation or in, an, or in an environment and we're not allowing ourselves to to relax and mm. and on that note as well can I, can I ask you for those listening to this that would like to try some basic yoga tips at home for example can mm. you just briefly explain one or two strategies that someone can just do at home if they are feeling anxious or if um, they're feeling like what you said, you know, they, they need to be sort of probably toned down a little bit even. Um, mm-hmm. Something that someone can do at home that would probably benefit that person. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I think a lot of pe- I'm going to suggest something and a lot of people will kind of roll their eyes and say, yeah, that's really simple. Um, and it is really simple. But having been a psych for a long, long time, I also know that people don't use the things that we suggest. <laughs> So, um, you know, these techniques are only as good as um, the fact that you actually use them. Um, And I'm very, very guilty of having a whole toolbox full of tools and still not using them when it would actually be very helpful for me to do that. So I guess one very, very basic rule of thumb is that is about breathing. And so we find that when people are um, anxious, there's it's really, really useful for them to have a longer exhale than a longer inhale. It helps calm the nervous system. And so, for example, if somebody was breathing in and it was taking four counts, then the idea would be to breathe out for six counts. And that just helps regulate the nervous system and create that balance from what is an unbalanced nervous system if they're anxious. Um, The flip side applies if people are feeling really lethargic, if you actually finding that you've got some brain fog um, and you just really, um, I guess, pretty... I mean, I said the word before, uh, lethargic, you know, really unmotivated. And in that instance, you actually might want to create a little bit more energy um, and in that you'd actually breathe in for longer than what you breathe out for. It's important that you don't make the difference too vast. We're not saying that you have, you know, five, six counts difference between your inhale or exhale, whether you're trying to calm or whether you're trying to create activity and energy. Um, but the four, six is a really good combo. So four breaths in, six counts out, sorry, and that's something that would be calming. 
the reverse would be true, six counts in and then four counts out. And once you've kind of helped and you'll feel it physiologically, if you're well, if you're able to tune into your body, you'll feel that that starts to either slow you down or starts to kind of help you become more active and alert, then you can do what we call box breathing. Um, That's probably more a psychological term than a yoga term, but it does have its (laughs) own term. Um, And that's simply where you might be breathing for four and four or six and six. And again, some people, the concept of being able to inhale for four breaths is quite, and exhale for four breaths is quite a long period of time. People might only be able to start with two or three. Um, And then those who have practiced these kinds of things a lot can actually breathe in and breathe out for quite quite a lot of counts um, as well. And so the really lovely thing is that Physiologic, physiology, physiology, sorry, is somewhat basic in that if our body does something, unless our mind interferes, it's like a domino effect. You work on your breathing and your heart rate will slow down. The only reason it wouldn't is if your mind is while you're trying to, to engage in this box breathing, the only reason it wouldn't work is that your mind is still saying, oh, my God, you should be stressing about this, that, and the other and thinking about this, that, and the other. So our mind is a very powerful tool, um, as we I think we all know, and can lead us up the garden path in terms of creating these, these um, worries and ways of thinking that are unhelpful or, you know, a despairing mindset. Um, and it can at times be more powerful than what our body wants to do physiologically. But if you give yourself the focus of your breathing and particularly with the counting, then it's a little harder for your mind to have its chatter that's unhelpful and then the physiological process can unfold for you. So that's a really, really simple technique as well Um, and you can use it in either direction, as I said. And I guess just as another rule of thumb, to help guide things and it's it's this isn't precise so please if if your listeners can understand that I'm I'm really am giving a general rule of thumb that and that is this the you know when we when we're on our feet when our feet are on the ground whether they're pushed firmly into the ground while we're seated or whether we're standing it is a bit of a sign for our body that we need to be active Um, At the same time, if we're lying down, then it's physiologically, it's a sign that we're supposed to be resting and that we don't need to be alert. That is a very passive movement. You're not going to, um, you know, choose unless you're in a fight or playing dead, but you're not going to be lying down if there's a threat, if that makes sense. You're going to be ready to take action. Um, And so, how our body interprets and responds to different postures is actually where the physiological effect comes in. So I guess with that, what I'm suggesting is, again, if people are quite lethargic, then certainly being on their feet. And even if that's standing and really paying attention to their posture, creating what feels like a strong posture, shoulders back, you know, pelvic floor, tilted, um, really focusing feet on the ground, hands by the side, and then doing some breathing, then that's going to be creating energy and an active kind of experience internally. Whereas if we're going to want to calm down, you can do the breathing I mentioned before, and you could perhaps, you know, lie down or 
um, even if you're lying on the side or you can kind of really create a relaxed posture seated so you wouldn't be pushing your feet into the ground you might be curled up on the couch or something like that so you know postures are a way postures lead our body again to they're interpreted in a certain way and our physiology responds um what's really important for people to understand is when you do these things they don't have an immediate effect in the sense that if you're highly anxious lying down and breathing is not going to work in 30 seconds to calm you down if you're really really anxious um, you're probably best to kind of move around a little bit try and have your body mobilize some of that energy but slowly slowly move you know closer and closer to the floor shall we say engage your breathing in the relaxed version that I mentioned until you're able to perhaps lie down if you have the time and the space or perhaps sit so there's this concept of meeting your yourself where you're at and when you're really anxious or you're really depressed we actually start with breathing and postures that match where they're at and then we slowly move people towards postures and breathing patterns of where they want to be i hope that makes sense it's a bit complicated <laughs> no no it's 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 perfect it's it's simple it's um you've explained it very well um and i yeah i do want to acknowledge that a lot of this is if not all of it is obviously general in nature and that's mm. why it does help to see someone personally. And, mm. and on, on that note as well, Kirsten, if somebody wanted to get in contact with you, um, mm-hmm. what's the best way for them to do that? And I know you have a few things that you're working on at the moment as well, if you want to maybe share a bit of that. Yeah, sure. I mean, the downside is at the moment I haven't kind of done any of the yoga stuff online and I'm based in Perth. So, but people can reach out to me um, still. I'm more than happy for them to do that. I mean, I'm I'm definitely not across yoga studios all around Australia by any means, but I get, I can help them look at the, the principle, like, you know, identify some yoga studios that might be around them they can do that um, and then give them some tips on what questions they could ask um, to see if it's going to be a yoga studio that supports their mental health Um, if if they don't if someone doesn't have mental health issues then you can just try different you know yoga studios and it'll probably be quite fine and understand that there's a number of different types of yoga and people will find you know their thing I think it only becomes a little you know, something to pay a bit more attention to if somebody has quite significant anxiety or significant depression or trauma where some more questions would be useful to to ask before they signed up because the last thing a yoga teacher naively wants to do um, is to have a client, is to have a student come for the very first time. It's not a yoga-informed practice. They've got mental health issues and it's triggering for them or they hate it and that's it. They never do yoga again. Any yoga teacher absolutely loves the practice of yoga and wants to help people find a way to be able to also love the practice of yoga. Um, so my website is perthpsychologycollective.com.au, very straightforward. Um, they can reach out to me. There's contact details on that um, and they can reach out and find out more about um, or, you know, kind of ask me some questions. If anyone is in Perth, um, then, you know, I do have a yoga workshop um, for wellbeing, for mental health and wellbeing coming up on the 4th of December. Um, and again, people will be able to find that via the website as well. And that's a, a workshop where I'll be taking people through a mental health informed yoga practice. Then we're going to break it down a little bit so they can learn a bit of, a number of different types of breathing patterns that are useful. 
and different postures that are useful depending on what it is they're they're seeking. And we also have a bit of a journaling session um, at the end of that as well to help people bring it together specifically for them. So yeah, that's on the 4th of December. It sounds like that's something you should probably do online soon as well because um, – I know, but the tech is a bit overwhelming for an old duck like me. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Yes>. Well, um, <laughs> one day. <laughs> well, speaking of overwhelming, I've got some great dad jokes. Um, we always like yeah. to – I like to always drop a dad joke at the end of the episode. Yep, hit me with it. And this one's a yoga <laughs> one. It's a yoga oh. joke. So yeah. um, what did the bagel – why did the bagel struggle in yoga class? I don't know. It couldn't find its center. Ah. <laughs> and I've got another it's funny one. funny you said bagel, not donut, but yeah, go for it. Ba- yeah, well, uh, yeah, well, this this one's a bagel one as well, but what do you call a mm. bagel that has mastered yoga? I don't know. A pretzel. <laughs> yeah, well, some of the postures kind of look like that too, so. They do. They do. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you so much, Kirsten, for, for your time. Um, I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to put a link to your website in the description of this thank episode you. and Thanks. encourage anyone listening to this, especially those in Perth, to, to, to reach out and do, do what they can. Because, I mean, when we are going through any struggle in our life, especially when it's mental health, the, the more you do, the better. And in my opinion, the more natural things like this, the better as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure um, having the chance to talk about something that I I love and that I feel is really beneficial for people. So thank you for having me. I do really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases and feel free to share this episode with any friends or family that you think it might benefit. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.